want to welcome you to day three of week seven of our look through First and Second Kings. We're going to look today from the example of Hezekiah at what to do in your life and my life when the news is not good. From Second Kings 20, we learn what to do when we've gotten bad news. This may be very personal to you as I talk about this. You've just gotten bad news this week. A friend of yours has just gotten bad news. How do you handle it? We talk a lot about good news in church, the good news of Christ, and we should. But what do you do when the news is bad? How do you handle the bad news that you're facing? What do you do in the face of that bad news? In chapter 20, Hezekiah gets some bad news, the worst, in fact. In verse 1, in those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. That was bad news for Hezekiah. So what do you do? This man of faith, this king of faith, Hezekiah, teaches us what to do when we get this bad news. Six things to do. First of all, you take inventory. That's the first thing Hezekiah does. In verse two, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Verse three, remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Hezekiah took inventory of his relationship with God. He didn't take inventory of how much stuff he owned or how his insurance policy was or any of those kinds of things. He got this bad news about his life, and the first thing he did is he took inventory of his relationship with God because he knew that was the most important thing. That was what was going to carry him through this time. Taking inventory recognizes that God can use even the bad news that you're facing to encourage in you a recommitment to the good news of Christ, the good news of eternity, the good news of God's promise in your life. Now, taking inventory doesn't mean you have to point to a lot of mistakes you've made. Oh, God, oh, this is why this is happening. I did this and I did this. That's not what Hezekiah did. He knew he was a man of faith. He knew he wasn't perfect, but he knew he was a man of faith. So when the bad news came, the first thing he did is he reminded himself, I'm a man of faith. I have devotion to God. This is who I am. That's where you start, by remembering who you are. You take inventory, and hopefully as a man, a woman of faith, you're able to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to stand on during this time. First, you take inventory. Second, you express your emotions. We just read that. End of verse 3. Hezekiah wept bitterly. Here's a king who is not afraid to express his hurt when the bad news came. How should a Christian, a follower of Jesus, react emotionally when you get bad news? There's this popular strain of belief out there that goes something like this. If you trust the Lord, nothing's really going to upset you. You're just going to smile your way through problems, sing your way through any tragedy, laugh away all the sorrows. That's pure baloney. I know that word's not in the Bible. That is pure baloney. The Bible commands us to weep with those who weep. What does that mean? That means the appropriate emotion for the appropriate circumstance. Emotions are just a natural reaction to the circumstances of life. And if you cut off that natural reaction, you're not going to be able to get God's strength and comfort like you need in life. The proper reaction of God's people is to express and not suppress your God-given emotions. So, of course, you weep. You weep for the person that's hurting. You weep for yourself when you're hurting. It's one of the things that you do when you face this bad news. Third thing that you do. I know I'm walking through these quickly. We could spend a lot more time on each of these because they're so close to our hearts and what we're facing when we're hurt. The third thing you do is you focus on God's care for you. Verses 4 and 5. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I've heard your prayer 
and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I've heard your prayers. Isaiah goes back to tell Hezekiah. God is a personal God. He personally cares more than you can imagine about the hurt that you're facing, that your friend is facing, that the person in your family is facing right now. He personally hears each word of your prayer as you talk to him about that hurt. He hears your prayers personally. He sees your tears personally. He heals your hurts personally. So you focus on God's care for you. That's why Isaiah was able to go back to Hezekiah because God cared about what Hezekiah was going through. And then the fourth thing you do, and you start to see it in what we just read, is you, you locate your future. You locate your future. You are not at the mercy of fate. You are not a victim of circumstance. Your life is not a matter of probabilities. Your life is in the hands of God. So as we just read, go back and tell Hezekiah, I've heard your prayers, I'm gonna heal you. On the third day, go up to the temple. Verse six adds to this, I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and the sake of my servant David. In Hezekiah's case, locating his future meant extra years of life on this planet, extra years of serving God. It might mean that for you. Whether you're healed physically or not is in God's hands. But listen to this. Whether you are healed physically or not is in God's hands, but you are in God's hands whether you're healed or not. You're in God's hands as his follower for all of eternity. Nothing can change that. And one day, his care is gonna result in the perfection of heaven. You locate your future. Sometimes the hope of heaven is all you have. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. It has carried generations of followers of Christ who've gone through slavery, who've gone through martyrdom, who've gone through torture, carried generations of followers of Jesus into places of hope and faith and trust in God. So you locate your future. That's one of the keys when you get the bad news. And the fourth key is you look for assurance. You look for assurance. God, I need something in my life. I need your assurance that you're gonna be there as I face this. In verse eight, Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign for you, that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. And then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps that had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Now, you can sort of get this geographically or meteorologically. The sun, as it's coming up, the shadow's going down the stairs one step at a time. And as the sun continues on, it should continue to go down the stairs. Hezekiah says, could it go back up the stairs, 10 steps? That'll show me that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. What a strange story. Time seems to move back as this shadow retreats on the stairs, but it's the sign that God gives to Hezekiah. Praise God that you have an assurance that's more solid than a shadow. Throughout the Bible, you find people using the strangest methods to be sure of God's presence and direction in difficult times, especially in the Old Testament. They use fleeces, they cast lots, they make deals with God, they watch staffs turn into serpents. They're always looking for signs. All that changed on the day of Pentecost. Your assurance is not in a shadow on the stairs. Your assurance is in the indwelling spirit of God, God's voice, God's spirit speaking to your heart. So that assurance you're looking for, you say, God, would you speak to my heart with groanings even too deep for words? 
something beyond my emotions, even things I can put into words, would you give me an assurance of hope as I walk through this that I couldn't manufacture on my own? God's Spirit can do that. Now, if you've faced bad news, someone close to you is facing bad news right now, let me just remind you, don't forget to take inventory. Don't be afraid to express your emotions. Don't forget that God is personal. Don't forget where your future lies. And don't forget that you can look to the Spirit's assurance. As we pray, I want to encourage you to pray just a very simple prayer with me right now. Simply pray, I'm in your hands, Lord. I'm in your hands. And that means that this problem is in your hands. That means that my future is in your hands. That means that this bad news is in your hands. It's all in your hands because I'm in your hands. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.